This morning is comes from Genesis 29 verses 15 to 28. If you have a shed Bible, it's on page 28. The title of this section is called Jacob Marries Leah and Rachel. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your youngest daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but that seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. This is the word of the Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Great word of life, great light of the world. Speak to us now, we pray, so when we look, we will see, and when we listen, we will hear. But we don't want to be those who simply see and hear. May our hearts be transformed by the power of your truth. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are rock and our redeemer, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Good morning, Mars Hill, here in the shed. 
Good morning, Mars Hill, out there in the world. I am Denise Kingdom Greer, one of the pastors here overseeing mobilization with this terrific uh, staff. I'm so grateful to God to have another opportunity to stand before you. I do want to also say a, a word of thank you um, to all of you who responded um, so beautifully to the appeal for prayer for our staff on last week. I mean, you know, like I had to loosen my belt and many of us together want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you as we go into Lent and give up sweets completely, theoretically. Um, but thank you for just for responding, for pouring out your love. I'm coming to find out that that's, that's just who you are and I'm happy to be a part of that. So things we've wanted to say. That's what we're calling this series, you know, things, things that we as, as preacher, teacher types want to say to the church, to this church. What an invitation. I find it to be both gracious and daunting. And thank God for the spirit who prompts us, who leads us, and who guides us so we don't just say what we want to say, but we get to say what is true. Amen? So today, what I want to say, Mars Hill, is that silence, though often helpful and appropriate, can sometimes function as an act of violence unto itself. I said that, that, that although silence can be very helpful and very appropriate, there are times and spaces where silence itself actually visits violence in our communities. Here's what I mean. Don't get me wrong, what my mother said still stands true. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I honestly think that sometimes we can afford to not say anything at all a lot more and, um, and listen to what's being said. And I miss, so, so mama was right, she was right about that and that, that, that advice still holds true. And, and also, we know, especially those who have been part of the formation school, right? We know that silence is a gift to be able to sit in the presence of God, to be able to saturate in the life of the spirit in order to, to, to silence the, 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 the longings and the anxiety and the talking and the chattering of our own souls in order to simply sit with God in silence. This is a beautiful spiritual discipline. I don't want to negate that in any way, shape, or form. However, what I, what I do want to say is that, that, that sometimes, there are times, though, when silence is not a helpful posture. L look at these statistics, if you will. Somewhere on a slide, somewhere. Yeah, just look at the screen and act like there's some statistics on, oh, there they go. Okay, good. So here we go. One in the United States, an average of 20 people per minute experience intimate partner physical violence every minute. 20 people every minute. This equates to more than 10 million abuse victims annually. All of this under the blanket of silence, mostly, in our communities and in our churches. 20 people per minute, one in three women, one in four men, 80% 
of child abuse, child neglect, and 18% physical abuse, and 9% sexual abuse, 20 people per minute. A couple of days ago, I had the privilege to, to visit Andy and the staff over at AYA. Did you know that means as you are? I, I, I didn't know what it meant. I was just so delighted to learn that people could just come somewhere. Young people could come and just be as you are. So I was hanging out with them the other day, and I was learning about who they are and the important work that they do. And in so doing, I came to realize what I didn't know, and that was there are some 90 homeless, houseless youth living on the streets or in tents or wherever they can in the city of Grand Rapids. 90 young adults, yes. Under the cover of a city's silence are children, young people, vulnerable to human trafficking, to predators, to the internal violence of, of mental health conditions that comes from hopelessness, from being forgotten by family or by community, and even sometimes unnamed by the church. Who's talking about this? Who's outraged by this? AYA is, people are, but overall, the silence allows the violence to continue. Today, millions of people have descended upon one city, Inglewood, California, to worship at one of the greatest moving shrines known to human beings. That is the Super Bowl. Go Lions! Oh no, I'm not a football fan. I don't know who's playing. I just know who's entertaining. But, but I suspect that it, it, it ain't the Lions. I'll tell you that. It's been said though that the largest target for human traffickers, yes, more people are sold into sex slavery at and around the Super Bowl than any other event in the calendar year. But silence is deafening. Because what, what we're hearing and what we're talking about and what's, what's being promoted in our midst are which commercials will dominate the Super Bowl commercial scene. What we're talking about, what I'm talking about, is the national anthem being sung by one of my new favorite artists, Mickey Gaetan, who makes being a black woman and singing country a real thing. Hello. And of course, the hip hop halftime show with Mary J, Dre, Snoop. It's going to be a great day. And this is what we're talking about amidst the silence. Meanwhile, in the silence, the enemy lurks and, and acts his master plan there in the silence. In these cases, the silence itself perpetuates, hides, and allows to live an abiding violence that can't be denied. Okay, now, on to the story. The story that was read in our midst from the book that we love is Leah's story. I know, I know, some people might find that hard to believe if somebody said to you, can you point me toward Leah's story? Many people would say, who is Leah, by the way? 
They might, we might look at this and we might read it and we might say, well, you know what, this is actually Jacob's story. This is Laban's story. Maybe this is Rachel's story. But, but, but I submit to you, friends, here today that although this might not be the common understanding, that in fact this is Leah's story and her story is hard to tell. It's hard to tell because she is the one implicated and impacted the most by this particular pericope or section of scripture. And in the words of our dear friend Troy, I'm going to say I'm giving you three beats and three points. Follow me if you can. <laughs> First beat. <laughs> this is Leah's story and we don't even know who she is. We don't know when she was born. We don't even know when she dies. Her death is a footnote on the page of Jacob's death. Rachel dies dramatically in childbirth on the road and is buried. And, 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 and Jacob, he sets a stone um, on her grave and the place where, 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 where they bury her. And it's this dramatic and beautiful scene. And Leah's death is but a footnote. We don't know very much about Leah and this is her story. Most of Leah's life is lived in silence. What happens when persons negotiate about the lives of people who don't get to speak and act for themselves? Violence. Laban and Jacob have this conversation between themselves about the life of somebody else. And Leah, though this be her story, lingers in, in the silence. Second beat. Leah was not the belle of the ball. Sometimes, side note. Sometimes I just think the Bible can really be petty. Pray for me. Who in the world would describe somebody and say, she had weak eyes, <laughs> but her sister had a beautiful figure and she was fine and everybody thought she was beautiful, but Leah, well, mm. Okay, back on the regular note. <laughs> Leah was not the belle of the ball. Rachel was beautiful by whatever the standards of that day was, and apparently weak eyes were not in vogue at that time. <laughs> and so the violence of silence, what it does is it often tries to reason with the dynamics that are going on so that somehow or another, this person who is being visited with violence in this silence has to take some responsibility for what is happening to them. And I'm not necessarily saying that this is what the text does, but I'm elevating that as a way of showing us how it enacts in the public square, right? And so now, somehow or another, we can, we can surmise that the reason Leah is not married is because she is not cute. If Leah had been cute, Jacob would have looked on her as the oldest. If Leah had been cuter, then maybe she would have already had a husband. If Leah had been cuter, Laban wouldn't have had to do what he had to do because nobody in their right mind would actually even want to marry Leah because of those eyes, you see. 
And so what we do often is we start to look at people and want to, want to reckon that maybe what were they wearing at the time or why were they, why were they where they were and why were they who, with whom they were with? Why were the variables such as they were? And if they hadn't been, then maybe, maybe Leah would have had a, a different kind of outcome. That's what happens in, in silence. That's not a, a direct claim mostly. That's not something that people overtly say, but it lives in the silence. Third beat. The text says, but when God saw that she was unloved. Mm. When God peeked through the veil of silence in her community. See, see, because Laban never directly spoke to her, didn't have an agreement with her, didn't have an agreement with Jacob. We just get an idea after the fact what exactly it is that Laban was thinking from the very beginning. But from the perspective of the text, all of this is silent to all of us, to Rachel, to Leah, to Jacob. And when God saw through the silence that she was unloved, the text says that God opened up her womb and gave her a child and Rachel had none. And when God saw. And that first child that she gives birth to, she names him just that. She names him God saw Reuben. And every time she would call him, this was the only way that she could tell her story in the silence. She told the story by the naming of her children. And every time she called him for dinner, Reuben, she said to the world, God saw that I was unloved. God sees. And in real time, that's really a difficult thing. I remember I was about 22 years old, and um, when I really, when I read the story of Hagar, which is actually back a ways in Genesis chapter 16, and I read the story of Hagar, and I've been, I've been captivated by this narrative ever since, and this whole idea that, that Hagar, who is also living under the violence of silence, who flees from the household of Abram and, um, and, 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 and Sarai and, and finds herself in the wilderness and runs right into the arms of the God who sees her and declares she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me for I have now seen the one who sees me. And that was just breathtaking for her and confusing for me. Because I wanted to know how it is that God can see such violence and not step in and not stop and not fix and not correct. I'm not going to unpack that for you today because that is a conversation that we would love to have one-on-one. Because that's a conversation and that's a knowledge and a revelation that can only happen in retrospect. It was only at 22 years old when I was wrestling with this question that I was able to turn back and look back over the violence of silence in my own life. 
and see how God had redeemed that story for the sake of those who were living that story on that very day in my 22 years of life. So I would love, and I bet that Pastor Brian and, 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 and Pastor Ashley and Pastor Kyle and, and, and Troy, and, and we would love to have that conversation with you one-on-one -on -one if you're struggling, right, with this whole idea of how is it that God can see and not intervene. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a bigger conversation that we'd love to to have, but the reality for Hagar and the reality for me on that day and the reality for Leah was this comfort in knowing that wherever I am and whatever I went through, whatever I'm going through, God sees. And then when God saw that she was unloved, God opened up her womb, gave her a child and not Rachel. And this child's name was Simeon and Simeon means God heard. Not only did God see, but God also heard. Heard that she was unloved. Heard what the silence had covered up and tried to protect, and yet God heard it. That reminds me of a of a very familiar piece of, of literature spoken by the, the abolitionist women's suffrage at and, 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 and pastor, prophet, and preacher one sojourner truth. In a piece titled, Ain't a Woman, she declares this about the one who hears. After many, many things, she says, I have borne 13 children and seen most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, listen to this, none but Jesus heard me. That even in the brokenness and in the harshness and in the difficulty and the complexity, God still hears Leah, the one who had been unloved. And as a demonstration of love, God pierces the silence and reminds her that I have heard you. And so every time she tucked him into bed at night and kissed his sweet forehead, she reminded herself and him and any who were listening that God heard her. And then when God saw that she was unloved, God opened up her womb and gave her a son and no son for Rachel. And this one's name is Levi. And he is a demonstration of hope. Perhaps now my husband will cling to me. In the birth and the sweet face of her baby, she found something that looked like hope. Maybe now he will cling to me. And then when God saw that she was unloved, God opened up her womb and gave her a son and no son for Rachel. And this son's name was Judah. Judah, praise. Reminding her and all that would hear her call his name, that in the midst of being feeling like the, you're sitting under the weight of the violence of silence, there will be praise. There will surely be praise, reminding me of the late, great Maya Angelou, who in her own life also was visited by the violence of silence and the affliction and the violation of her own young body. And in so doing, when she made the report to her family of what had happened to her, her uncles and the men in her family rose up and murdered the man who violated her. And because of that, Maya Angelou learned the power of words. The power that words can have to give life and death. And she decided for a season that she would zip her lips and she would not speak. 
And when she spoke, she spoke some of the most profound words that we have ever heard in human history. And some of that is captured in the book, in the movie, and in the poem, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Listen to what she says about that hope and about that praise. And the caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill. For the caged bird sings of freedom. Yes, yes, his tune is heard on the distant hill where we lift our eyes knowing that our help comes from the Lord who is maker of heaven and earth. Yes, Leah, God saw, God heard, God grants you hope and there will be praise. And here it is, friends. Here it is. Maybe not in the real time that she can see with her eyes and with her ears right then, but here it is. Levi, the one who gives her hope, become, becomes the, the ancestor of the priests and those who lead God's people into worship for generations. And Judah, pray. Gives, becomes the ancestor to David who writes the Psalms of praise and not just to David but also of Jesus our Lord who experienced the violence of silence himself for the prophet says he was despised and rejected wounded for our sin bruised for our sin denied by his own brothers crucified by his own people seemingly forsaken by his father Jesus suffered Violence in silence of a borrowed tomb. Beating the brakes off death, hell, and the grave. Rose on Sunday, hands still scarred, sides still punctured, victorious. For you, for me, for the victim, for the perpetrator. To see and to be seen. To hear and to be heard to hope and praise God that we will not participate in violence in the midst of silence. And so Mars Hill, our charge as Jesus' people for the sake of the world is simply this. See and don't look away because God sees. Hear and don't plug your ears because God hears. Don't lose hope, knowing there will be praise. This message, I pray that it would say to someone here who may feel not seen by God, that God sees you. And we want to see you too. Somebody here might feel like God does not hear you. I want you to know God does hear you, and we want to hear you too. And you know what? The good news, the blessed news is, friends, that we're already doing it. When we partner with, with sacred beginnings, who's working with human, people coming out of human trafficking, we are saying, God sees you. And we see you too. When we give shoes or time or whatever to AYA as you are, 
We are saying God hears you young people all 90 and 90,000 plus of you wherever you are in this world. God hears you and so do we. And when we offer our times and our gifts and our transportation to our new Afghan friends fleeing deafening silence in their country, we are saying God sees you and we will not look away. God hears we will not block our ears. We will instead cling to hope that soon and very soon there will be praises and we will announce the reign of God as it fully reveals itself in our midst for the glory of God. And all God's people say amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so the same God who, who sees and who, who hears and who, who, who offers us hope and, and the privilege to praise has set a table before us in the midst of silence, breaking the silence with a simple invitation to come, come unto me. All who are weak and who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the Lord's table. And all those who are in need of rest, who want to be seen and want to be heard, and who need some of hope are welcome at this table. And so, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And let us pray. How right and good and joyful thing it is at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you. Joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so send your spirit upon us now, we pray. So the bread we break and the cup we bless might be to us the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And as these, these, these grains have been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these, these grapes from many vines into one cup, so soon and very soon allow your whole church on earth to be gathered together to you, even to the ends of the earth, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. And so, friends, I give to you that which I also receive, how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he sat with his disciples, and after they had eaten, he took bread, and he gave, after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And in the same manner, after they had supped, he took the cup, And after giving thanks, he offered it to them. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do partake of this, you do announce and proclaim the good news of who I am until I come again. And so together we say these words that are much older than all of us, that these words that gather us all together with those who have gone before us and those who are yet to come, say it with me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
And so, beloved of people of God, as we prepare to, to come to the table, let us know that we don't come alone, we come together. And if we have burdens, there are people here who are willing to pray with us along our prayer walls. If you want to write down a prayer, there's an opportunity to also do that. If you are online, there's an opportunity for you to ask for prayer through that medium. And, and if you go forth to the table, I pray that you will see the God who sees and know the God who hears. Receive who you are, Mars Hill, the body of Christ. Come, for all is now ready.